"'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the pole, Jack Frost was stirring to give everyone coal. When Christmas was taken by evil with care, the only hope was Scott Kelvin soon would be there. The elves were held hostage in thankless jobs. Their visions of unions dashed, turned to angry mobs. And Truman and Landon sat down to do work. Their smirks turned to irks, shirked through this murk. So here we are now to bring Christmas to light, but we fucked that up too on Grunt Work Tonight. I want to apologize to you, but I feel like it's just going to come right back to me. This is what we've put upon ourselves to do <laughs> for some reason in life. And I realize that's a that's a spicy place to start an episode. <laughs> I I lots of things in this movie, which I will point out as someone who watched the Santa Claus two only twenty four hours before. This movie is shorter than the Santa Claus two, so that's it is. one thing. Yes. It is and it's many true. moments, many moments in this movie, this shorter movie really brought me absolute joy. So I would say that I liked a greater percentage of this movie than I did of the last one. Proportionally. Proportionally, yeah. I mean, you have to rely on some tricky math to get there, but that's where my (laughs) positive, that's where I am right now. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a a good place. And at the same time, uh, on a rather busy day, had to, had to squeeze in a tight 95 minutes to watch Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. So, And then then a tight 180 minutes to talk about it. I no, I I blocked out. I blocked out four hours. I that the, my day is busy <laughs> okay. because I I have to. I I blocked the rest of it for this. Forget watching the number one film on the Sight Sound poll. Uh, you don't need to watch Jean Dielman. Schedule no. some time to sit down and listen to Gruntworks episode of Santa Claus Three. Yeah, you know my understanding is that John Dealman is pretty slow, so you can probably have our podcast on in the background for most of it. I'm sure that's what the director originally intended. Uh, uh, um, I I do not endorse that. <laughs> okay, but okay, that's neither oh, here nor there. One for one. Oh, the Santa Claus Three. The, the Santa Escape Claus Three. Um, I thought we could just uh, uh, reiterate a few things from last episode to keep people up to date. This is the yes. first time you and I both have seen this, right? Yes, this is correct. I, we did not, not watch I, it together, but we watched it for the first time for this episode that we're recording. I, I had never seen any of the Santa's Claus films, and it would be ridiculous if the only one I had seen is this one, because it relies <laughs> on a lot of uh, kind of accumulated lore of the last two yes, movies. it's very true. Um, and I watched So uh, just to, to give the context for why I'm going to be a mess during this episode, Truman watched it today and was very smart about watching Santa Claus 2 recording, watching Santa mm-hmm. Claus 3 and recording. And I said, nay, I am a man. <laughs> I am going to just <laughs> shove all caution aside and watch Santa Claus 2 and 3 back to back in the same day. Yeah, yeah. Which and and watching the Santa Claus three, I which features many of the same characters, and I mean just viably is so similar that I yeah. I could completely see the borders between these two blurring. And in fact, even in my memory now, I'm not sure where one ends and the next begins. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the last episode I gave notes for this movie. So uh, yes, <laughs> little little Easter eggs, uh, or I don't know, candy canes. 
um, yeah. for people to try to discover which note goes with which movie. My biggest, my biggest impression watching one on one day and one the next is, you know, having had some time to digest the first movie and then move on to this one, I, my biggest takeaway is that I, I really think they're trying to say that hot cocoa is the cocaine of elves and magical creatures. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't... there there is so okay. I guess uh, a little more um, behind the the painted veil here. I uh, as of today, the final episode of the Santa Clauses came out, and so mm-hmm. I I finished that as well just to just to know like when we we do a goof em up whether or not people are gonna write in and go, hey, they covered that already, you dumb idiots. So like. I'm aware of everything they covered in the Santa Clauses, but we are going to address the Santa Claus 3 as if we were doing it in the point of time in which the Santa Clauses did not yet exist. Landon is living in my blissful reality uh, in which I have not seen the Santa Clauses. Now, Landon, when you finish the Santa Clauses, is there a special snow globe that you're going to pick up and say, I wish I'd never watched the Santa Clauses, and then you'll be magically transported back to right before you pushed play on it on your TV? got to do my breathing exercises here i am not going to bring the negativity of my reaction to the santa clauses to this episode i don't want that on anyone i will say this um tim allen's daughter was cast in uh as his daughter in the santa clauses and Mm. i think she was the best thing about the series really Uh, i don't want to give any critiques or anything about her or anyone else but it was a delight i i will say that uh, and right. they had a few really touching scenes together. So it was like kind of bringing back that the vibe of when you see Tim interact with Randy or Brad on Home Improvement, mm-hmm. but without the the acting veil, it, it was very, I don't know, it was very touching. That's, you know, I found some of the most endearing Tim Allen moments in this movie were during the bloops when it was just him laughing and chatting with the other actors. And I, I don't know, it's like, I don't know. He he just to see. He seems like a warm and funny dude when you're just chatting with him or just joshing around on set yeah. in the moment. I don't. Maybe I've gone soft because of the holidays or something like that. <laughs> but I, yeah, you know, I, no, I, I, see I that. get that. I get that sense too. Uh, he does seem like someone you could have a conversation with, and yeah, you know, it's it's just. It, 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 whatever. Like, I'm not gonna bring it. I'm not gonna bring it. Just breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here, let's take. Just breathe. Let's take. Let's take a feelings inventory. <laughs> okay. Great. Because because this this movie also. Oh, no. I mean, Truman, don't you know feelings inventories are ruining Christmas? I don't want to declare war on Christmas. I just want to uh, help Christmas process its inner trauma and how that's affecting it. <laughs> um. I, yeah, so, well, look, Landon, do you do you want to just, before, because I could just go right now, I could just, like, set off on a uh, reindeer-drawn rocket ship, or yes. a, a rocket-powered sled car, like uh, the one that Santa makes in this movie, I could set off right <laughs> now like that, uh, but we should probably recap people on what happens in this movie first, wouldn't you say? I yeah I I say let's do it. Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the synopsis rather short here. Okay. Um, Scott Calvin, uh, aka Santa, aka Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, you, we'll call uh, him all three. <laughs> catching people up on the last uh, movie slash episode, uh, the Mrs. Claus. He married Elizabeth Mitchell, aka Carol, um, to become Mrs. Claus. And yes. uh, that was the end of that movie. So now we're entering into Santa Claus and his family at the North Pole and all the inner workings of that. And guess what? Carol what? is pregnant. 
oh no <laughs> I mean, listen, but I mean, but that's my that, reaction, but I don't want to put that on other people. But hey, listen, folks, if if you were coming into this movie wondering, does Santa Claus fuck? Well, you have your answer. <laughs> just just like the Bible says, Santa Claus can get some. And he's not shooting blanks either, as you can see. Um, so Scott has a, a little bit of a problem because anytime anything interferes with his life, uh, it's also in conflict with oh, no, we only have 360 days to Christmas, or, you know, we only have five days to Christmas, or we only have whatever till Christmas. Um, yeah. And, of course, this is also uh, made the more difficult by the Council of Eternal Beings, I guess. I, I still don't have the, the title for what they are. I, I, think, but, it's a, I think it's Eternal Beings, yeah. Okay. Uh, they are bringing to, to Scott's attention, to Santa's attention, the uh, uh, fact that Jack Frost is nipping at his nose, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. honing in on his territory, trying to uh, uh, get some of the, the winter magic months. And it's like, seriously, Santa? I mean, like, you've got, well, whatever. Okay, I'm going to hold off on my nose on that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Frost is played by Martin Short, who's <sighs> coming in and just trying to carve a niche out for him somewhere in the year, uh, a niche out for himself. And yeah. um, he decides to become an apprentice to Santa, but he has uh, a little more evil uh, machinations going on and uh, eventually steals the Santa coat and becomes Santa Claus. And we are thrown into a Back to the Future 2 reality. Yes, yes we are, and then thrown from that into an It's a Wonderful Life alternate reality. <laughs> Lots of things going on here. Um, that's going to be my synopsis for now. I think we'll we'll bore it out a little bit more in the the deep uh, the deep dive, but um, yeah, uh, emphasis on bore. <laughs> uh, uh, less boring also than the last one, though. I've got to say, I think that the key to making an interesting movie is you put Martin Short in the movie. Um, okay, because when or, when the camera's pointing at him, I'm interested in your movie. Yes, agreed. But the biggest crime of this movie, uh, uh, above everything else, is you have Martin Short and you only dial him up to seven. I he he is not he is not dialed up high enough. When he he gets he gets close. He gets to eight point three when he <laughs> yells, "I invented chill" to that girl. <laughs> True. <laughs> yes, but he needs to be at an 11 100% of the time on screen, and he's yes. not, and that's sad. Agreed. I, yes, but I would still I would still rather a caged tiger over no tiger at all. That's, that's a good point. Well, I don't know. Uh, as a, a friend of animals, I don't know if I can agree with that, but uh, I get yes. your points. You know what? If I, am, if I am close to a tiger... I have different opinions about whether it should be. Okay, you know what? No, never mind. We're, we're, I think I think this this metaphor is run aground. It's crashed in the snow. Tis. Um, um, okay. I thought uh, I have a good uh, little opening salvo here. Uh, my very okay. first note to get us into this deep dive <clears throat> is two words. Yes. And it goes uh, as such. Gah! Hearth! <laughs> Gah, earth. Hearth. Hearth. Oh, I oh the hearth. Yes, I think you mean the the fireplace in Santa's. Is it called a hearth? Uh, in Santa's house. I mean, hearth. I mean, that's a term for it. I mean, is that how you pronounce it? I always thought it was hearth. I I, th I thought it was hearth. My parents called it a hearth. We all learned, is this one we, of those like pillow pillows? I, I well, listen. I do say it milk. So who who knows? Maybe I am. Maybe I've been pronouncing hearth wrong this whole time. Hearth. It's the fireplace. You, are you talking Wait. about the fireplace? Hearth. 
Hearth. Oh. Hearth. AI oh. is helping us. <laughs> okay, and special guest for this episode, Siri. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, that, that's one of those things that uh, I've always seen written out. I guess I've never really heard anyone say hearth before out loud. Uh, so I like to be corrected in the moment. I have no shame about that. So, gah, hearth. Yeah, that that adds a completely new context to it when you hear it uh, pronounced that way. The 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 fireplace or hearth or hearth, depending on on where you, <laughs> how much reading you do, uh, in Tim Allen's house is you know at the North Pole, his Santa Claus house is shaped like Tim Allen's head, a massive version of Tim Allen's head with a gigantic open mouth. Yeah, think Mount Rushmore with I don't know the like, uh, what was that uh uh. <laughs> bone grinder uh roller coaster from nothing but trouble yeah <laughs> you, you p- picture picture like teddy roosevelt's head on mount rushmore but the mouth is like open as far as like as the ghost face mask from scream <laughs> and there's fire inside that and then and be shown it's, it's, it is it's very much reminiscent of bill and ted's bogus journey <laughs> it's it's something. This movie has a lot less body horror in it than the than the previous movies do. But I love that this is here in this movie that children will watch because I feel like this is the sort of thing that like kids are gonna see and not really know that it's scary in the moment, but they'll have nightmares about it later. It's I mean, of, they just log it in the back of their their memory, just like it's it, it's one little tiny thing attached to a neuron going down a, a pathway at some point and just kind of joggles loose and like someday walking down the street and see something similar and just go into a, a cold sweat. Y- yes. Either because you're scared or because you're secretly horny. Um, however, however this is impacting kids and getting into their heads and affecting their psyches. We'll see. Um, I mean, I guess it's, this movie came out in 2006. I guess those, those people are, like they're zoomers, they're voting now. So yeah. I guess I guess it's made them better. I think it's made I think it made kids stronger and like more progressive people. <laughs> well, I, I just want to go on the record to say just because people saw Santa Claus three doesn't necessarily make them a zoomer. Uh, I, there was a big audience drop off between this and Zoom. <laughs> Everyone who saw Zoom came away with a completely different set of issues. <laughs> so th- that's that's my opening salvo. Ga hearth. Okay. Hearth. Ga- what do you got? Uh, what have I got? I've got no, 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 no. This is awful. Um, because the movie starts in a very unsettling way. Even before we're shown the hearth, we're you know, uh, Carol, Mrs. Claus has, who was the principal of a large high school uh, in Minneapolis, uh, has now moved to the North Pole, where she is a teaching like an elementary school class of elves. Yeah, uh, and they ask her to tell the story of you know, what happened after she and, and, uh, Santa Claus got married and we immediately cut to Tim pushing her on a stretcher. She's very pregnant, pushing her running through the streets of Elfberg to get her to the hospital. Cause she thinks she's about to have the baby. And I mean, it's just enough that, Oh God. Okay. That's where this movie is going. She's pregnant. Of course, <laughs> this is a movie about pregnancy and baby stuff. Great. But then that this woman is about to give birth who has, you know, walked away from her entire life in the real world and now lives in a holiday town full of elves who are all like three feet tall and children. Yes. But she's she's about to give birth in this in this place where she has no like she has no connections to her old life. And 
everyone it's not just her and tim but like all of the there's a whole crowd of elves running along behind cheering as she's on this stretcher there's elves like you know diving and prat falling out of the way of the stretcher they nearly hit a stained glass window yeah plate glass stained glass window yeah it's it's like it's like the scene the car chase in what's up doc like she's gonna go shattering (laughs) this pregnant woman is going to go through a field of shattered glass and then they take her into the delivery room and ate the you know the doctor the basically elf obgyn comes out and also a kid and like just imagine this like you've grown up in the normal world you've lived here for a couple years max these still look like kids to you and now the the person like looking directly at your vagina while you give birth looks like he's like nine years old i mean yeah it's just, it feels like a bad situation to be in. I'm not a woman. Maybe maybe I don't understand something about this, but this seems like it fucking sucks. Uh, agreed. Um, I'm going to take this a little darker. Oh, oh good. <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody. Happy. The, the, the room that she, the observation room that she's wheeled into, um, like so many of the, the rooms here at the North Pole, is built to elf size. And yes. has elf-sized instruments, which means the room was built for OBGYN of elves. So children <sighs> getting pregnant. <laughs> I oh 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 god, Landon. Oh man, I Welcome did not to even... Santa Claus three. Oh, oh, oh. The, these movies keep <laughs> adding more and more. Like they get more and more complicated, and they add more and more concepts that, if you think about them for even three and a half seconds, you you start to get very freaked out. I I by the way, I, this is true. Halfway through this movie, I had to pause and talk to my therapist for an hour on the phone. Now that had nothing to do with the movie and everything to do with the fact that that was when I was scheduled to have therapy this week. But it, I'm just I'm just saying, if I had if I had known that. If I had reasoned through the child OBGYN thing to its logical <laughs> conclusion, that would have come up in my session. <laughs> well, you know what? Grunt work is my therapy, so that's why we're talking about it now. You're you're welcome, listeners. Um yes, but so that but that the the point is the pregnancy then turns out to be a false alarm, and that from there we are get to go to them at home. And yeah. I am only just trying to process this concept when then I am faced down by a, a fireplace that looks like Tim Allen's face and enormous <laughs> mouth, gaping so open mouth. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I, I think it's worth mentioning the Santa Claus three is taking the Sunset Boulevard approach <laughs> to its storytelling. Yes. We the entire movie is a flashback, which I didn't really realize until the end. Like I, I like. She's telling the story, and the way that it... I don't know. I, I just... Somehow it didn't click for me that this was being told as a story, so it was so jarring when we went back to it. <laughs> well, and the other kind of odd thing is um, this film has a... They never share a screen together, but a very iconic pairing of actors uh, share this movie and the movie that they are iconic in together. Uh, and those people are, of course, Alan Arkin and... Abigail Breslin, who is the woman or the the girl who as the 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 student elf who asks Mrs. Claus about her uh oh. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> getting yeah, us they, into this flashback. Oh my god, that's Ab- okay, because that's her brother who plays Curtis, right? 
Yeah, yep. That's her brother, older brother that plays Curtis, uh, most famously known from, well, he's in Zoom as well, so that's three movies he did with Tim Allen, but oh also boy. Cat in the Hat, which... Oh, bleh. boy. Well, a lot of a lot of a lot of bangers for Spencer Breslin, unfortunately. Um, no, okay. Well, yeah, that's great. So it's a little Miss Sunshine reunion or pre-union. Yeah, not even reunion. It's the same year. Yeah. Oh God, same same. They. Do you think they just went straight from the set of this over to Little Miss Sunshine, or do you actually maybe more likely they knew Little Miss Sunshine was going to be big, so they snuck her into a hastily conceived framing device for Santa Claus? No, I, I'm I'm willing to bet that like. The Breslin family was like, oh, yeah, our, our young girl is now, you know, getting into acting as well. And I bet it had nothing to do with each other. But um, just mm. by sheer fact of her age, two projects came forth at once. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I shouldn't be looking for uh, cross promotional synergy where there is none. Um, <laughs> well, I, there's plenty of it in the Santa Clauses. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. I can't wait. There's not even a, there's not really a lot of obvious product placement in this. We don't get a very clearly telegraphed meal from McDonald's the way we did last time. (laughs) Well, I've got it playing in the background, so I'll keep my eye out. Uh, But there is, I I do want to just call this out. I mean, it's even, at least in the Santa Claus 2 when they come in and Neil's basically holding a McDonald's bag in front of his face and they very... Mm -hmm carefully take a, a bite out of a curated burger and she's holding mm-hmm. one french fry like mm-hmm. that's product placement in yeah. the santa clauses it is a plot point that the girl that uh the son of mr and mrs claus meets in the real world he knows that her little brother wants a funko pop of loki for christmas <sighs> do, do, do kids Okay, I mean, gross, just in its... But also, do kids even want Funko Pops anymore? Does anyone want... I don't know. I'm I mean, not, I, I, have, I have no interaction with kids in my life, so I'm not criticizing that part, but just the I, shoving just, it just down the our fact throats, that, it's gross. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So I don't think we have to go chronological here. I guess no, I want to no, start not. by... We, we've kind of set the context for this movie, and maybe we should you know, um, talk a little bit about the introduction to Jack Frost so that we can get into this, but... Um, Let's let's maybe talk a little bit. I, I forgot to go over the specs. This is directed by the same director of the previous uh, film, Michael Lembeck, and written yeah. by uh, two of the same writers, Ed Decker and John J. Strauss, uh, mm-hmm. which we talked about in the last episode. So, yeah. you know, at least it has and I, I would agree with myself, the point that I haven't even mentioned yet, <laughs> that uh, there is a a similar quality and, and vibe to two and three like there yes you, you don't feel like a different creative team is stepping in here the the movies are very tonally similar in a way yeah. that yeah and, and I, I don't know i feel like santa claus one santa claus prime the santa claus zero <laughs> whatever you call it uh, i think that one that one felt I feels the most tonally different at this point from the rest in the series. Yeah, like, but that the, was like a, a completely different generation of filmmaking. Exa- well, yeah, exactly, exactly, and also just a, a different level of whimsy too. That they mm-hmm. they've they've got uh, Martin Short at seven, but they've got whimsy at eleven. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's the thing I think can be turned. I don't know. It's weird because the. I, the whimsy, I don't know. I, I I have a hard time with this. The whimsy in the Santa Clauses is, is like the knob is broken off, and mm-hmm. but it's it's counterbalanced with this kind of weird cynicism that is kind of like the knob is turned off in the other direction as well. And it leaves. I feel like just 
so my brain is pulled in two directions and I'm like, can you just turn both down and have a coherent tone here? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, that applies a little bit to this film. Um, not as much as the series, but I yeah, I mean, I think that this is honestly I think this is probably the least cynical movie in in the franchise. This has the least kind of grumpy, edgy Santa in it. Uh, like this, this one is the, is the most genuine, uh, but it is also the most whimsical to the point that, uh, the deus ex machina of this film is a little girl who gives hugs that are magically warm, which I, we talked about this on the last episode a bit from 2002 to 2006. I do feel like this veers a little bit more toward younger viewers rather than full family fair. Uh, yes, yes. Pro- no, it really does. It, there's no, there's no open allegories to fascism, and uh, really, no, no contract law in this one. So I, I would agree with you. They find I know who this movie is for. Yeah, it's someone who doesn't like have a heart of coal when they hear that someone's hugs are made of magic. Uh, i.e., me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. Okay. Great. Okay. I'm the asshole then. <laughs> No, I'm uh, I'm th- I'm saying I'm the Scrooge. I I fully oh. acknowledge. Uh, I I the Christmas time, the holidays just are not my jam. I just I I do not like them. Um, you know, Landon, I feel like you need to be taken for a sleigh ride with a little bit of snow falling just on you, or maybe you need to be given a toy from your childhood that you always wanted. I think that's going to turn your opinion on the holidays around. <laughs> Truman, you've seen my. You've seen my toy collection. I have all of my toys from childhood. You know that that might that might be the issue. I think actually, <laughs> I need to have them you, taken away from me. Yeah, exactly. Tragically lose them, and then I'll give one back to you, and that'll solve all your problems. Oh, I'm starting to see that now. Yeah, I'll, I'll freeze you with ice breath, so you don't know that I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> do you have more? Do you have more specs on on the film, or, or shall we move, um, move forward? I will say this came out in uh, no, on November third, two thousand six, uh, right in time. So uh, after Halloween, um, mm-hmm. uh, but in time for the holiday season. Um, I let me see if I have some uh, whether or not this is a hit or not. Looks like the budget was twelve million, um, mm. gross eighty four million. So wow. yeah. This did okay. Yeah, that that this this made some money. This bought a few more classic cars for a uh, <laughs> for a certain movie star, um, uh-huh. and and probably made a lot of money for Martin Short too. I don't know what what eccentric things he likes to spend his money on. Um, so I think that I think that the the elephant in the room here we should talk about Jack Frost because he is okay. he, he is what makes this movie great, and also <laughs> coincidentally, right after uh, Tim is dealing with his wife having the false alarm of thinking she's in labor, but in fact not not giving birth yet. Uh, he is called away to deal with the pressing business of the Council of Eternal Beings, which is where we meet Jack Frost. Yeah. Who, who's who's just a little stinker. He's just a naughty little boy. Uh, I disagree. Yeah? You don't think he's a little stinker? I think he is entitled okay. to something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you don't think he himself is entitled, as in that's a character trait. You you agree no. that he is entitled to a certain amount of respect. Yeah, I do. Because the whole thing here, and I mentioned this on the last episode, is that Santa is, like, so greedy about the entire month of December. Like, he doesn't even just, like, Easter is just a day, right? What does the Sandman yeah. have? <laughs> For, for that he, matter. He has, he has sleep. That's a third of every human being's life. That's a pretty big <laughs> domain, dude. Well, well, well. Some of us can get to sleep at night. Yeah, I, 
I don't know. I mean, there's like, what does Jack Frost have? I don't really. I mean, his methods might be questionable, but I think there the argument of he's made of an internal being and given nothing. Like all he does is what bring snow. I mean, that doesn't even. Uh, there's no celebration to that. And it, whatever celebration that comes from it is attributed to Santa and Christmas. I, I don't I don't disagree with you, but it is funny to hear you make the I don't agree with everything he does, but you've got to admit he's got some good ideas argument <laughs> made in favor of Jack Frost. <laughs> I I mean, yeah, it is we it is weird. Like you you have to wonder why like why even have an eternal being if you're not really going to give him anything to do like yeah like because there's not there doesn't seem to be an eternal being in charge of summer. Unless right. that's Mother Earth's domain. Like, so did Mother Earth subcontract out cold weather to <laughs> Martin <guess> Short? So. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but the other thing, too, is, like, um, what what Jack Frost actually does once he becomes Santa? Yeah. How is it too different <laughs> than what Thank Santa's you. doing? Thank you. Not to get too far ahead here, but so no, I, no, no. I really don't. I think it's the movie trying to make him look bad. But I, I actually look at the paper of what he's doing and what he wants to do, and I'm like, I, I don't see what the big deal is. Uh, no, this is let, let, let's talk about this because okay. we, you know, we what we find out in the course of the movie, uh, what Jack Frost learns is that there is an escape clause whereby if Santa Claus holds his special snow globe and says, "I wish I was never Santa Claus," he gets teleported back to the moment that he has the opportunity to first put on the coat, and he can choose to not do it and never have been Santa Claus. Uh, uh, Jack Frost exploits this, goes back in time to 12 years ago to the first movie, uh, kills Santa Claus instead of Tim Allen, puts on the coat, and then becomes Santa Claus, and the kind of third act of this movie takes place in the alternate future where Jack Frost has been Santa Claus for 12 years. A yeah. wildly complicated premise for a Christmas movie that I nonetheless actually liked a lot. I actually thought this was really fun. In concept, um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I think it could have been, you know, I don't, I don't know, built out a little bit better, but yeah. But when, so when Scott Calvin, who now is just a regular mean businessman, you know, he gets teleported into this new future, goes to the North Pole to face down Jack Frost, Santa Claus, he finds that he has turned the place into a crass kind of shopping mall type resort, and there's long lines of kids, and people are just like spending money, and it's all about money and consumerism. Right. You know, all just, Universal it's all just, City Walk. Of the uh, North Pole. Uh, oh, beautiful! I was looking for I was looking for an allegory, and you found one right in my own backyard. Thank you. Um, but but yes, we're meant to look at this, and he's walking around looking disgusted, and it's like slow mo shots of like people handing money over in exchange for toys, and it's like, uh, you know, oh, it's consumerism. <laughs> that 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 metaphor falls apart so freaking quick when you get lines in here like. Christmas is all about the anticipation and waiting to open your toys on Christmas morning. It's like, but what's the difference if you buy the toy or you're fucking making it? Like, it's still yeah. the acquiring of a thing. Like, what? What? What is the the magic in that? I don't. I, I don't know. There, there. You're you're dicing some, you know, bottom lines that that are eerily similar to me. This is, let's bear in mind that Santa Claus got his wife to fall in love with him by giving her a, a toy, giving her a ba a toy baby doll. Like, it, you, you can't then say that, oh, Jack Frost has ruined Christmas by making it too materialistic and commercialized. Like, I, I agree that the North Pole doesn't necessarily look 
great, but also some aspects of it I think are a lot better. I do think he had some good ideas. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. Uh, you know, why not put on a show? Oh god. So this is okay, here's the crime of this movie. This I'm there there are there are multiple crimes uh, not committed by Grindelwald but created by this movie. Uh, <laughs> the first is that they have Martin Short not dialed up to 11. The second is that Martin Short very clearly recorded two songs for this movie, presumably two musical numbers, and we only see one of them. Because oh, what, what's the other one? Well, because when we first get to the North Pole, when, when Scott Calvin uh, gets to the alternate future North Pole and goes looking for him and is walking through this big, here's all these shots of this mall-like interior of the North Pole, uh, there's a song sung by Jack Frost that is playing in the background that uh, presumably is like supposed to be playing on a loudspeaker or something mm-hmm. at the complex. But it's all about how, oh, it's, you know, come and uh, come meet Santa Christmas cheer. So uh, I don't know. It's just it's some song describing all the impish stuff he's done and how he's changed the North Pole. I can't imagine that they would have written this original song and not also filmed him dancing around and singing it. And <laughs> we, but we don't see it, and that's what I want to see. Even when they give him the free reign to, like, okay, Martin, here's your big uh, show-stopping number. You know, I don't know if it's like he's limited by the stage or the props or the choreography. If they just like, okay, we have to hash this thing out one day. We got you know like three hours, work it out with the stage crew, and you know. Just figure something out. Well, you want a big candy cane? We got a big candy cane we can give you. Um, mm-hmm. But it it is for Martin Short's talent. Like, he and Steve Martin just stood in front of a bunch of dirty, you know, uh, bar patrons in Three Amigos. And it mm-hmm. was <laughs> with Chevy Chase piano accompaniment. And it was much more riveting than this. I, I mean, look, I saw I saw him on a Saturday Night Live episode like a week ago in his old age in a completely mediocre sketch, just dancing with so much more uh, abandon and vibrance than here. So I, I agree with you. There is so much more Martin Short that can be accessed, and there was so much more that could have been accessed at this point when he was a younger, more energetic guy. Uh, but also, I feel like at like there's times watching this movie when it felt kind of like being in the desert. And then you get to just watch Martin short dance around singing a parody of New York, New York. That's about the North pole being, <laughs> that, that, being which, backed up that, that parody felt like it was also written in an hour. I mean, yes, but still like just Martin short singing a stupid song and dancing around and he's being backed up by a bunch of dancing child elves who are all visibly sad and, and who clearly hate <laughs> like frowning child elves dancing in unison. It, the, the elements are it's, there. It should just, it, it should hit harder than it does. It, it should. It certainly should. And it should also be like 25 minutes long. Uh, it should be the entire, it, it should be the entire review because I guess, uh, I, I should mention, as much as I'm not a, a holiday person, uh, I, I, full disclosure, think Martin Short is one of the funniest human beings that ever graced the earth. Without question, without question, he is he is he is an eternal being. That is the thing. The count, <laughs> like the Council of Eternal Beings, should make him the the number one guy just because he rules yep. and is funny. Um, I don't know. I I, I also think it's. I also love the concept behind it, which is just that, you know, Martin Short has explained all of this to to Tim Allen once he's arrived there about how, 
you know, oh yeah, going around and delivering presents to all the kids is too much work. I don't want to do that. I just they come to me and I let the money roll in. I love that Jack Frost is too lazy to deliver presents to all the children in the world, but what he really wants is to perform to a sold out crowd every night. <laughs> like that is truly his passion. He wants to he wants to sing and dance, and he's what's, doing it. What's wrong with that? I ask you. I mean, destroying Christmas arguably might be wrong about that. I'm just saying it's like, it's for a kind of good cause. Like, I, I that's why I want to see the whole show. Because you know he has like a full Vegas residency style set that he's doing every night. I want the... I want crowd the, work with the elves. The, what I want, I don't want the Santa Claus's series. I just want the the Jack Frost as Santa Claus. Like, I want a show covering these awesome 12 alternate yes. history years. The Jack Frost's... Yeah, yeah, you know, part of it is part of it is like succession with him establishing <laughs> the North Pole Resort and squabbling with the other eternal beings to get control, and then the rest is like uh, Fosse Verndon, and it's just him like dancing and like honing his craft and his act, and uh, that's perfect. Th- yeah, that's I don't know. I, I guess I, I I got a little. I mean, I yeah, Martin Short is the best thing about this, uh, and I am disappointed. I think it's it the expectations were dashed pretty pretty early on and just continued to get like, oh, it's never going to rise above this. Because, like, my note, the second that he walks it, like, the doors burst, the double doors burst open, and he comes in with a swagger to this eternal, Council of Eternal Beings with, like, sun blue sunglasses on and this yeah. frosted hair, and he whips them off, and he's like, what's up, babies? You know, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, I, my note was just, I can't wait for Martin Short to rip sh- some shit up. And mm-hmm. he never quite does. No, he never did. I found myself throughout this longing for... I Look, Martin Short in Jungle to Jungle, also a disappointing underuse of Martin Short, but there's yes. that one scene in it when the kid shows him the tarantula in the car and we just cut to outside the car of Martin <laughs> right. Short planting his hands against the window, pressing his face against it, and just screaming at the top of his lungs. And, <laughs> and that's like the one moment in that movie he got to go to 11, and I found myself thinking about that moment a lot and really waiting for that moment to come in this yeah. movie. And I think that really the closest it did was, I invented chill! <laughs> um, I will say, I, I want to talk real quick just about his uh, costuming. I, I thought this is oh. a really great character um, design. <laughs> Looks awesome. The, it's so good. The, I mean, outside of maybe the Dr. Evil contact lenses he's wearing, uh, eh. the... He's got, I think my, you know, he, as I said, he's got the blue frosted hair and he's got these little icicles in his eyebrows. But I think it's the uh, the the creme de la creme of his uh, whole outfit is he's got a icicle bolo tie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is do you think it's fair to call his look I- iconic in some way? Like, I, I, it's maybe. I'm not saying it's up there with, I don't know, like in culture with like Jack Skellington or the Joker or any kind of hot topic (laughs) stuff. But I feel like this is instantly recognizable, even not having seen the movie. If you showed me a picture, I'm like, Mm. oh, yeah, it's Jack Frost. It's Martin Short in that Santa Claus movie. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's put the survey out. Is is that it? We're just basically... Are you actually physically putting out a survey right yeah, now, or are you? Just, I am. I, uh, oh. I'm, I'm typing it up. Can't you hear me typing right now? Uh, oh, okay, okay. You're doing okay. Cool. Yeah. And that then sounds... I, I'm going to print it out on my dot matrix uh, printer. Oh, 
Oh, and then I'm just going to stick them into one million uh, uh, different envelopes and, and lick them and put stamps on them and send them out in the mail. Wait, wait, how, but how are you going to deliver that, that one million envelopes all in the same night? You'd have to be able to stop time or something to do that. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> We're going to have to wait a couple months to get the answers. Ah, man. Well, okay, well, I'm going to drink a whole bunch of cocoa. Maybe I'll think of a better idea. Um, <laughs> I agree, though. It was it was never never the amount of... Uh, 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 short that I wanted. I think this movie came up. We short, got shorted. I'm short. saying. Yeah, I got short. I, I'm uh, look. I always salute my shorts, but in this case, I felt like I was shortchanged. Um, I think that also we should probably just mention. I mean, or, or talk. I want to talk briefly, a little more in depth. Once you know, once uh, Jack Frost convinces Santa Claus to hold his, it tricks him into holding his snow globe saying, I wish I'd never been Santa. They're teleported back to the moment in the first movie. Yeah. And Jack Frost goes up there and just yells, Hey Santa. And Santa slips and falls off the, the roof and dies. I, I just had kind of thought like, cause the first, the second movie doesn't really cast too bright a light on the specifics of yeah no santa claus died and now you're santa <laughs> and but then and i'm thinking okay so the, they recognize that's kind of a morbid concept and we're just going to kind of shuffle that one away but then this right. movie shows it happening two different times also like so so you know jack frost makes him fall off the roof gets his coat becomes santa claus fine <laughs> uh ultimately santa is then able to you know he confronts uh jack frost at the north pole there's a fight he's able to trick uh jack frost into saying he wishes he'd never been santa claus while holding his snow globe it's very complicated they go back and now when presented with this you know with another opportunity what scott calvin does to save the day is to do nothing not try to save the life of santa claus he's his, his victory is to stand idle and let santa die <laughs> So he's basically yeah. he's basically choosing to let someone die so that he can have the life he lived <laughs> as a result of that person's death, which is a very heady Twilight Zone level concept to to put mm. in front of your kids. I guess we we've never seen Scott Kelvin die. So if you die as Santa, do you die as Scott Kelvin, would, <laughs> or would he return to his previous life? Yeah, is it the Matrix rules? Basically, you die. You die in in your Santa Claus coat. You die in the real world <laughs> right, too. Right, right. I, I don't know. Well, look. I mean, so you you have finished the Santa Clauses? I have. Yes. Okay. So okay. So then you can spoiler alert. I guess he doesn't die in that Great Land, and now I'm never gonna watch it. Well, I I I mean, they don't fully answer it. I'm not gonna lie. But there oh. is a moment when uh Tim goes back to uh he, he there's. As we saw introduced in this film, the Hall of Snow Globes of all the past Santas, and um, we'll get into that eventually. Yeah, <laughs> but oh boy! Uh, at one point, um, he encounters the original Saint Nick, who created the the Santa Claus uh, uh, coat, and oh. I, I don't want to get into the whole nonsense of the Santa Clauses, but there is like a, a moment when he is having a uh Christmas Carol experience with the Santa who was right before him uh taking him to you know Santa's through the ages and uh we see Krampus at one point and uh he's like no you were always meant to be Santa uh you thought I just fell off a roof and died and so it was kind of like retconned to make it seem like it was fate um 
but you know, I someone would have to remind me. I have to admit, I spent a lot of time watching the Santa Clauses with a screwdriver through my head. But uh, <laughs> the uh, I I don't remember if they actually say what happened to that Santa, the seventeenth Santa Claus, uh, after he fell off the roof. I feel like they conveniently left that part out. I, I just I again I've said this before, but the the amount of of really just dense world building in a movie where the Easter Bunny is a character and where a girl's hugs are magical and can transform eternal beings into regular dudes, I, I it, <laughs> it it's just. It's just a lot. This is like some kind of like Game of Thrones level, you know, and then House Targaryen arose kind of like, ah, well, the you know, the the Grand Santa determined that only the now, 17th Santa should Now you're on to something. I mean, if they had approached the Santa Clauses as a sort of Game of Thrones parody, but with the Santa Claus uh, uh, jacket, <laughs> then I would have been a little more interested. Yeah, just every every uh, yeah, every episode is is opening with you know a dramatic overhead shots of of the Elfberg and then oh Minneapolis and all the different big locations that they go to. It's mainly it's mainly Elfberg and Minneapolis, so I guess it's a short opening credits. <laughs> um, I think uh we need to migrate a little bit. This let's, let's mm-hmm. switch tracks and talk about uh Carol, her yes. parents. Yes. Uh, and turning the North Pole into Canada because we have to uh, <sighs> protect the identity of Santa Claus. The SOS, the secret of Santa. Uh, yes, Carol uh, confesses after her false labor to uh, to Scott that she is really lonely. It kind of sucks having to leave all of her friends and family behind, and she wants to have her parents around for when she gives birth. And so... Scott and some of the elves concoct a plan to uh, trick her parents, like invite her parents to the North Pole, but trick them into thinking it's Canada. And so they will dress all the elves up as Canadians and put up Canada oriented signs. Um, uh, And, and also, and, and just to put it out there now, uh, Carol's parents are played by Alan Arkin and Anne Margaret and boy, howdy. What, what a pair. Oh, what a, what a pair indeed! I mean, Alan Arkin, the the second gem of this movie, I think. Uh, maybe yes. maybe Loki, the first gem of this movie. Mm, uh, I I mean, I guess he's 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 at full he's in full power certainly he is in full <laughs> grumpy old guy. Um, th- so and I would just add an addendum to this, which is uh, in addition to bringing her parents up here, they get they enlist Sandman to. Uh, put them to sleep for the journey so that uh, they won't know how they got to Canada. And mm. in the interim, the entire North Pole is stopping production on all toys and just turning all shop fronts into, you know, um, <laughs> different types of uh, Canada jokes. Uh, let's see. Canadian Bacon Exchange was yep. one that I remember. Uh you know, I think I was there even a Tim Hortons joke, or did they get that there, in depth? They, there was no Tim Hortons joke, surprisingly. Yeah, uh, and, but, and like and, all the kids are wearing knit Canada hats and just jackets that just say Canada on them, um, and and they say a from time to time. They do say oh, a a lot. There's a lot of all the elves speaking in unison in this movie, saying yeah. hi, Mrs. Claus, or whatever, and then all of them going a in unison. <laughs> 
Now, I want to say in concept, this isn't a bad joke. I, I yeah, kind of like agreed. the gag. The Me execution too. of it is kind of schmaltzy and and dumb, but yes, uh, I don't know if they if they played it. Everything I feel like is played a little too soft in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and and maybe that is just that they were aiming for younger audiences <laughs> and not the full family. But everything um, everything is played too soft, except for Santa's fall from that roof that ends his <laughs> life, which we see not once but twice. <laughs> The mortality of Santa Claus is is com, you know complete and true one hundred percent. Everything else is yeah. is being soft peddled. Um, sorry, I didn't get to my addendum, which is yes. in addition to bringing uh, Carol's parents, they have also uh, invited Neil, Laura, and Lucy um, <laughs> along for the ride. Uh, but they already know about Santa, so the SOS is is kind of out with them, and they're just excited. This is their first time ever seeing the North Pole. And my God, the other gem of this movie, <laughs> Neil, Neil's excitement over being at the North Pole. Oh, <laughs> it's so pu- it's so pure. It's great. It's great. This is Neil, Neil, possibly the star of the movie. Who can say yeah. there is a scene where they are. He, Neil and Lucy are walking through a toy shop and Curtis, the, the number one elf, is telling them, don't don't touch anything, only observe. And then Lucy sees a toy that she wants and goes running off and Neil starts chasing after her and then he stops and sees something off screen and goes, oh, trains, and runs off. And <laughs> folks, last, last week... Uh, last week I was saying that that I have huge Judge Reinhold energy, and I just want to say the energy just got ten times huger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah. So th- so that sets up the kind of subplot of what's going on here. So like in 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 addition to all of Jack's shenanigans, uh, we've got you know a front being held up for the SOS protocol for uh, Alan Arkin and Anne Margaret. You've got Lucy, the magical hug giver kind of waltzing around. She's the one that's learning about the magical globes and the history of the Santas. There's a lot of moving parts to this movie. It's never also, and I I feel like a just a dork saying this out loud, because why would it be explained? But it's never really explained or commented on that Lucy, who is not like a magical being in any way, in a movie where... The only way you get magical right. powers is by killing the right mythical being and putting on his coat or something. She just happens to have hugs that make you warm, like thermodynamic yeah. hugging. Um, yep. I, th- maybe that's a medical condition. If, if she's maybe she's running <laughs> a little too hot, you should have her checked out, Neil. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, is she the one that's uh, helping out with the? <laughs> the the fusion project right now i i mean harnessing (laughs) harnessing the power of the sun from her hugs yeah they they just hooked up some electrodes to this cute little girl um (laughs) who is well no now she's a now she's a they just hooked up some electrodes to a grown lady and are making her power the future (laughs) um although i believe that women are the future so you know they're not too far off um whitney yeah glad to help uh i i do we want to talk now about how crazy it is that neil the current husband of uh scott's ex-wife insists on like is so excited to go to the north pole and spend christmas with his wife's ex-husband and i I mean i don't think he gives a shit about scott he wants to go to the north pole i mean i guess so i guess it's just that he has become 
he's become all about toys. It, it it's it's just I don't know. Spit I out. mean, it, get it, get it, get it out there. We'll we'll just dissect it. My my Wendy Wendy Miller Scott's yeah. ex wife is just like okay Laura yes my, Laura. Wait, is it Laura? Oh yes, I made the same mistake that you did last week. Yes, Wendy Crewson, Laura Miller. She she's she's got a face that looks so much like her name that it's hard to separate her characters out from it. Uh, she's got Wendy written all over her. Laura yeah. Miller, uh, just like she, the fact that her ex husband is Santa Claus is crazy enough, and obviously yeah. you're going to have to have him in your life to some degree. But I, it's just that a a, a person, a, a woman spending. Uh, Christmas with her ex-husband and uh, at his well, place and and his new wife and being like a doula for his new wife with her current husband and her child. I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm just saying yeah. it's taken for granted that everybody just is chill with this. I mean, it's well, weird. It's like, it's like I, there, being there's... Santa Claus scrambles the divorce map. I think there's a big thing you're overlooking which t- brings this all together. And it's mm-hmm. it's glaring, it's staring at us right in the face, it's got a name, and that yeah. name is Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> they share a child together. Charlie, True. who's basically the impetus for all of these movies, has so faded into the background. Yeah, it's... It is weird that his big emotional relationship is with a girl who he's not related to by blood in any way. It's like, like I, he gets a they they pull the Mary Poppins gag uh, early in this film when Tim goes to visit uh, the Neils. I'm gonna call mm-hmm. them, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he brings his little bag with him and sets it on the ground to bring presents for everybody, and you know pulls a gigantic snowboard out for Charlie and. That's outside of you know one or two small moments later on. That's about a wrap on Charlie for the movie. Yeah, yeah, he really does not. I, I mean, as soon as as soon as Charlie walks in and says, "Hey, Dad, thanks for letting me go snowboarding with Stephanie's family this Christmas," I'm like, "Ah, yes, I see. Someone had other commitments." <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know who else had other commitments? Uh, you might have noticed that Bernard isn't in here uh, because yeah. David Krumholtz, um uh, schedule with bones <laughs> conflicted mm. with the filming of this and he couldn't get off to, to shoot it oh man he got totally boned by that one i mean that does i was wondering and that does that does then bring up a lot of questions about when the elves die i'm thinking like yeah how did you become number one elf curtis i mean did did yeah. uh, did did bernard just like decide to I don't know, decide to become a landscape architect or something like that instead. He, he, I wanted to yeah. be a shrimp boat captain, so he retired and found a new life, or did something else happen? This is so weird. Uh, both of those things are almost verbatim addressed, including the ship, the shrimp boat captain uh, in the Santa Clauses. Really? Okay, yes. okay. I, I Am I going to have to watch the Santa Clauses? No, no, Because I keep no, asking no. questions. No. I already know. I did it okay. for us, Truman. Okay, thank you. You're right. I don't want to. I don't want to cheapen your sacrifice. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so yes. So the well. It, so long as we're talking about the Neils and yeah. we're talking about Charlie. So you, you. Oh, you make a very good point. The reason that they are all so much in each other's lives still is because of Charlie. You know, it's obviously. easy to forget because Charlie just is becomes such a, a footnote to the series. 
uh, yeah, he, so Charlie is barely present in the movie. And then, but what I kind of, what is kind of weird is that the movie, as it goes on, really sort of makes the case that like, oh yeah, yeah, no, he fucked up with Charlie. Scott fucked up with Charlie. He didn't do a great <laughs> yes. job as a dad. Charlie's broken. Charlie cannot be fixed in both realities, kind of. Because like, yeah, very early in the movie, Scott is talking to the other mythical beings about how he failed as a father with Charlie. And... A, a recurring theme is that he, like, certainly in the last movie and in this one, is that when you are involved with the Santa Claus operation, you cannot have any life outside of that. So he's basically, he sees his son once a year, which is even less than Frazier sees his son. There, and, there's a line early on that he's like, he, he outright acknowledges that he's still not good at being a father. Yes. Um, and it's like, but you're still not going to do anything to change that. I yes yes he so like later later in the movie when he's in the fake alternate reality you know he go he finds uh Neil and uh well he first he goes to uh, to Laura's house and you know uh she is she is there she's super mean and Charlie is also super mean and even though it's Christmas Eve he's going off with his friends and they're clearly going to do bad stuff because he's wearing like a skateboarder's cap and then he goes to the North Pole and talks to Neil there because Neil is there with Lucy and mean Neil tells him about how, well, because you were never around and you were never involved in Charlie's life. You know, I wasn't <laughs> able to, I, I, w I wasn't able to, you know, I couldn't do it all on my own. So he turned out like that and he's, he's lost to us now. So it like Neil basically saying to him, like, come on, man, you know, I'm a total piece of shit. I can't raise a kid. It's impossible. <laughs> how could... How could anyone how could anyone raise another man's child? Not possible. That guy has to be involved or else. Like Yeah. Here's the other thing is that the Santa Clauses, and I, I'm sorry to keep bringing that up, but the while we're on the subject, the Santa Clauses goes one further in in the the slight to Charlie, in that Charlie appears in one episode. And yeah. it's only when Scott decides, I'm gonna retire, I've got the perfect candidate. My son, who I haven't seen in forever, Ugh. goes to Miami to find his son. Uh, his son is married with kids. And he's like, no, I don't want to be Santa. Yet <laughs> the whole series becomes about um, the magic of Christmas being brought out through family. And the family in question is Carol, the the soon-to-be child that's in this movie, and then a second child. And Charlie just becomes forgotten to the wind. <laughs> it's like you had a family and you didn't make it work. Now you're you're turning to this more, I don't know, nuclear, all blonde eyed, blue eyed family, and it feels a little weird. Yeah, I I also like did the actor who played Charlie just stop acting or something and they just paid kind him of. handsomely to come back for little scenes? I'm trying to look for even yeah. his he didn't have too much after this. Uh uh Eric Lloyd. Um I'm looking he did Santa mm. Claus two and three, then he did uh about five years later, it looks like two episodes of a short lived show called About Abby. Chrome mm. Skull, which uh laid to rest two, which is a really, really low key horror film. In 2011, Weedland, whatever that is, in 2017, nice. and nice. then, uh, yeah, one episode of the Santa Clauses. So he's he's clearly got something else going on. It's and and good for him. God, God yeah. bless. It's Seriously. just it's it's interesting how 
committed this franchise was to just not recasting because yeah you know you could really you know just swap in a different kid who who gives a shit no one's gonna notice like it's uh (laughs) i i and yeah Yeah, you're not recasting iron man it's really it's just yeah it's it's weird so much of this is about family and being a family man but ultimately the the key piece of the puzzle that holds him and his ex-wife and that part of the family together just sort of evaporates and we're supposed to not really think too much about it yeah like oops okay i guess that one's fucked up we're never gonna we're never gonna bring that one back to (laughs) back to any kind of healthy relationship so just look forward just keep trucking ahead yeah yeah oh just make a new baby new wife new baby fix everything um yeah i mean this whole santa thing seems incredibly destructive to families like that it almost seems like it's at the core of what santa is that and yes exactly this again in the in terms of this movie both being completely you know nauseatingly whimsical and saturan but also leaning into some really dark stuff this movie makes explicit that that she never gets to see her parents and talk to her parents and yeah. and how much they miss her and they are angry at Scott because like yo my our daughter married this weird guy who's a Canadian toy maker supposedly and now she lives far away we never get to see her we never communicate with her that's like a shocking and sad (laughs) and and that yeah that it's I I, you know it's very like the the, when her parents see her at the North Pole that is the first time they've seen her since she's been pregnant like like I it's it, it makes it even harder because we know the shotgun wedding that, that she's subjected to at the end of the right. second movie where she doesn't even know they're going to get married before he before the elf mentions it. And then she does it because he tells her that Christmas will end forever in 10 minutes if you don't. Yeah, it, it's oh, my goodness. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, the whole thing and uh, this is again, I don't know where Santa Claus 2 begins and where the Santa Claus is ends uh, mm-hmm. in terms of. All of this subtext, but what I really got out of this is like this is really about <laughs> a boomer coming to grips with being a workaholic his whole life and then trying to find some sort of semblance of uh, value in his life um, mm-hmm. after retirement. Yes, and that I- having to grapple with the destructive nature of what being a workaholic and not being there for your family, your wife, your children. Uh, at any point in their development, what that can do and why you still feel entitled to it uh, <laughs> once you're done uh, doing your work. And yes, it, like the the and the movie kind of presents this as a problem, like trying to make time for your family, trying to make time for your job. That is, I think, a recurring theme kind of in all of the Santa Claus movies to some yeah. degree and finding different ways to to deal with that. And that's a compelling thing. But so he's got this problem throughout the movie. Shit's going wrong at the North Pole. They're behind schedule. Jack Frost has been sabotaging things to create this stress. And also his wife is, you know, she's pregnant. She needs uh, attention. And, and it's like, you know, it's Christmas with the family. And he has to keep getting pulled away to do work. Like, basically, after he has his low moment and says, I wish I'd never been Santa Claus. And then 
after all of that, when he when he puts everything right and he spoiler alert de- uh, defeats Jack Frost and comes back, he runs to Carol, who he had had a fight with before all of this time traveling started, and he tells her, "Hey, it's all fine. It's gonna be okay. I love you, and I love being Santa Claus, and it's and it's the great thing, and we're gonna make it all work." And but it's like the. That, that doesn't solve anything, if anything, that no. just reaffirms the status quo. It's never it's the, an issue. It's the exact same arc in the, the Santa Claus is, in which the whole thing is predicated on Santa Claus has to retire. It's called the, the succession clause. And they go through the entire series. Spoiler alert, the successor to Santa Claus is Scott Kelvin. He puts the fucking thing back on. It's like, well... The only person I trust to do the job that I did my whole life is myself, so fuck all you, I'm never giving up power. (laughs) It really is the succession clause, because the TV show Succession is about an old guy who definitely should retire from his job, but refuses to retire from his job, and it makes everyone crazy. Oh my god, if Brian Cox hasn't played Santa before, I (laughs) would love a gritty Santa Claus reboot with Brian Cox. Merry Christmas to all, and fuck off! (laughs) I... (laughs) Yeah, like, like Scott, it's never a question whether Scott loves his wife or not. I don't think that Carol for a moment doubts that Scott loves her. He is very sweet and deferential to her and wants all the best for her. It is just, he has this really high-pressure job that he, that, you know, and they, they knew going into it that he had this job. So I, I'm not even trying to put anything on Carol there. It's just, yeah, this is a legit right. thing. He loves his job, but his job requires all of him. How are you going to negotiate this? And it seems like the solution is just, I don't know, Carol, you can figure it out. Now you've got a baby, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm going to keep doing all the same shit, but I love you. I, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And that um, sucks. It it does. It's not, you know, but I mean, I don't know. Baby's cute, I guess. <laughs> it's not. I don't know. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like every other baby. Um, uh, so, speaking of... Uh, you you know you were talking about baby boomers and we're just we're we're in this space already so I want to talk about okay. something else that is relevant to to this late stage in the movie so the Santa Claus three the escape clause ultimately and and specifically in terms of of Jack Frost and what he's doing Jack Frost is a crass greedy huckster who uses unscrupulous methods uh, to attain a position of power, and then once he's got that position of power, he starts corrupting all of these kind of long-standing honorable institutions in pursuit of more money and attention oh, for boy. himself. It's funny to see that happening and to see Tim Allen being really upset about that happening and trying to stop it from happening and thinking that it's a bad thing. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's just, it's just sort of interesting. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to leave you out to dry here, but I, I haven't seen any evidence that Tim Allen own, owns those specific beliefs. I, I mean, I don't want to be attributing thoughts to people that that they don't fully hold. I, I, I mean, I'll give you the conservative stuff, the family value stuff, a lot of very, I don't know, provocative, contrarian beliefs that are infuriating and annoying. But um, I, I don't know how far in that direction he he holds those. Tim Allen said this is a this is a uh, just a quote from insider.com. Okay, Tim good, Allen good. says he liked that Donald Trump pissed people off. Uh Tim Allen on his Trump silence, I didn't join in on the lynching of Donald Trump. Uh I I don't know. I mean, look. Okay. I I I I'm 
I'm not I'm not trying to cast I, it's just it's just sort of interesting to me. I mean, look, the two big points that this movie is making is that ooh, this this, you know, person is bad and ingenuine and not worthy of power and he has taken power and that's bad. The other point of this movie is that ah, commercialism and materialism is bad. Um, and, you know, unchecked rampant capitalism is bad, which is also, I think, different from some views that okay. uh, Tim yeah. Allen has espoused. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm okay. saying. It's I, just a little uh, interesting. I, I'm just, I'm going to say that I, I haven't, I can't fact check, fact check you on that. I'm going to take you at your word and we'll go from there. Comedian Tim, this is from Hollywood Reporter. Comedian Tim Allen compared living in President Donald Trump's America to 1930s Germany when Jimmy Kimmel asked him about his trip to the presidential inauguration. Uh, I don't know. Okay. So anyway, moving on. What else happens in this movie? <laughs> Let's talk uh, about the snow globes. Yes, there is. <laughs> Do you feel like snow globes sort of increased their significance from movie one to movie three in this? They get they become a bigger and bigger part of the mythos of yes, Santa Claus. They certainly do. Um, and uh, just like any other piece of lore they introduce into this series, it just raises so many more questions. <laughs> yes. Because okay, let's the, just remind people the first snow globe that we see, and and we're we're gonna just set aside the fact that in this world, a snow globe is a good gift to get. Yeah, that 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 this little girl Lucy is a snow globe fanatic. That like so many yeah. young children, she loves snow globes. Well, I mean they that was the thing in the first movie too. Is like Charlie was so excited to get a snow globe. Granted, the snow globe that he gets. It keeps Tim on a chain and that every time he shakes it, Tim has to come visit, <laughs> which I don't feel like was exploited nearly enough in this series. Um, yeah. Clearly, but, like if if Charlie is having abandonment issues, like why isn't he shaking that thing all the time? But well, they, they um, even in, in Santa Claus too, wait, they kind of talk minute, about wait, it. Wait, wait, like he wait. points is the snow globe that Tim gives him. Is that the same snow globe that represents him in the hall of snow globes? So did he take it back from Charlie? I mean, in Santa Claus 2, he's in Charlie's room, and, like, they they lo are looking at his snow globe, and like, oh, remember how I gave you this? And every time you shook it, I'd come. So I think he's... I think he's suggesting that that maybe it doesn't work anymore, or, like, that, was, that deal is no longer in evidence. So, yeah, maybe he <laughs> took it back? I mean, God, God, Charlie is really getting done dirty in these movies. <laughs> Seriously. I hope um, I hope he is having the best time snowboarding with his girlfriend's family. I hope those yes. people are awesome and loving and accepting. Um, okay, let's talk about the concept of these snow globes. So Santa, um, Lucy, obviously, as you said, big snow snow globe collector, and Santa's like, "Well, let me show you something special." takes him takes her to this uh, room with three vending machines in it. Um, <laughs> one of which is uh, I can't remember here. Hold on, I got it right here. Red, Red uh, Deer. Uh, yeah, Red Deer, which is a, like a play Red on Bull. Red Bull. But in the background, there's another one called um, uh, mm. North Pole Icy Bites. <laughs> and <laughs> guess what? Icy is spelled incorrectly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they should have the, the set props, uh, set coordinators from uh, Home Improvement do this because they don't make those kinds of mistakes. You know, they, I think they probably had their hands full with all the Canadian stuff they had to put up. <laughs> this movie is a, this is a prop intensive series. It's true. It's true. So yeah. Santa does this little secret 
handshake with the the red deer machine and uh there you go there's your product placement yeah um true 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 yeah do you think they released promotional uh uh fake red bull that was in red deer cans <laughs> red deer gives you presents um <laughs> that's what we need we need children to be drinking energy drinks just really love those kids up on red God. Bull. No. Um, so it uh, it does like a, a secret hidden door or, you know, like the wall kind of turns on an axis and, and takes them to this hidden room where there are just a bunch of floating snow globes all over the place. And each of these snow globes represents uh, the Santas that have come before. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm going to I'm going to start this off with one question. OK, it's one globe per Santa. You see mm-hmm. all these Santas flowing around. For for one thing, in the Santa clauses, we uh, find out that Tim is the 18th Santa. There are mm-hmm. more than 18 snow globes here. Oh, yes. Uh, okay, so <laughs> one snow globe per Santa. What's the tenure per Santa? Yeah, how? so the with the number of snow globes here, this either suggests that a lot of Santas got murked pretty quickly into their tenure. <laughs> I mean... Well, and also, can Santa die of old age when you're an eternal being then? I mean, suggests that you're, or no, elemental being, is that it? Either way, I don't know. I mean, how, yeah, how how are these Santas losing their jobs? Because the series has only given us one option so far, and it's pretty bleak. <laughs> I mean, we aren't given a glimpse into any of the others uh, until the, the series. So, you know, uh, we don't, I, you know, I would like to, like, no, I wouldn't like to. I should have gone frame by frame to like look at the the what's happening inside of each of the snow globes to see if we get any of those answers. Yeah, <laughs> I I also I mean the fact that there are more snow globes in this room than there are Santas acknowledged in the series probably just means the second season of the series will all be about what happened to those other snow globes. <laughs> that was that was when Toy Santa and Jack Frost teamed up to steal the excess snow globes. I'd watch uh, it. Yeah, 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 fuck it, right? If we get if we get Martin Short back, uh, and if we put if we have Steve Martin play Toy Santa, oh man, I'd really take that. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah, it's it's this big floaty room of snow globes, and also he gives her while while they're in there, he gives her a snow globe as a present, which looking into it has her inside of it giving a snowman a hug and because and to remind the audience that she has magical warming hugs the snowman then gets pink and like like a peep uh, yeah oh uh, delicious honestly would you not be kind of disturbed to be handed a glass orb with a seemingly living creature inside it and then that living creature also looks like a miniature version of you the one living creature that everyone is able to empathize with the best one that looks exactly like you yeah so here's here's another spoiler alert for the santa clauses yeah uh in order to get the holiday spirit back because it's dead now because of woke culture um good 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 for us the he well done takes (laughs) he takes uh he takes the whole family out to to give the presents across the the world and they stop at a few specific places of course you know like his his son's uh, romantic interest and like actually gives her a present, uh, which cool. is a poinsettia. What? Oh God, Wait. I don't want to get into it. I'm not gonna get into really? it. Really? Um, not a great it's, gift. It's a whole thing. It's a whole dumb fucking thing. But everyone else in the world, in order to bring back the holiday spirit, gets a snow globe that shows them a their their favorite uh Christmas memory, and that's I think what is going on here. What? 
I mean, <laughs> okay, well, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to go there. But like, what if, what if your fondest Christmas memory is like a time that you hooked up with someone on Christmas? Like, like well, what? So what if you've got a, a, an erotic snow globe in your house? <laughs> I mean, for some for some people, maybe that's fine. Other people, maybe they have uh, kids and they, they don't want them to see that. They didn't touch on whether or not you could see other people's memories. Oh, I see. I see. So everyone else. I mean, again, Cal Penn just... and his daughter can see each other, but they are in the same memory. So they probably see the same memory. So that's why they can see each other's. But uh, there are other instances in the series where. Um, some magical powers start to emerge from his two children, and neither of them can, like, one of them can talk to animals, the other one can see these uh, portals in the sky, and neither but, of them can see each other's magical powers in reality, so. Okay, 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 look, all right, listen, so I've been led to believe that being one of these elemental, eternal beings, whatever, is either mm -hmm. a thing that you seem to be, like, it, it seems like you get it by killing the previous one and putting on their garb. Now yeah. you're telling me that that you people can hereditarily inherit uh, 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 like magical powers. Sure, okay, fine. It kind of makes sense that Santa Claus's kids would have some Santa magic. But then it still doesn't explain why Neil Miller, the psychologist, the ordinary cool dude's daughter, has warming <laughs> hugs. There's it's no true. reason at all. It doesn't no, make any no, sense. No, there isn't. And, and this movie oddly, needs to make sense, or it fails. Oddly, Laura, Neil, and Lucy do not appear in the series. What? Um, as it's, Boo. it's also retconned that uh, in this kind of meeting of the Santas, that it's revealed that Scott Klein or <laughs> Scott Kelvin Oof, is yeah. um, the first human Santa ever, and what? that this was a mass experiment to see what would happen if uh, you raised a family at the North Pole. Um, what? Yeah. What? What fucking the Matrix Revolutions bullshit is this? <laughs> Are they in a room full of TVs? Oh God, man! Why? Why? It's so complicated. These movies are. Like, I have seen, there are Marvel movies that are, like, the movie Primer is less convoluted <laughs> than this mythology. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, okay, what else What else is going on here? What else do we have? Oh, yeah, uh, let's keep talking about the Globes, because we, we got to, oh, because yeah. this is part of uh, Jack Frost's scheme, although we kind of touched on, you know, the, the arc of what he does, but um, when... So this whole time, Jack Frost, you know, while the, the parents are distracted with the Canada stuff, Jack Frost has agreed to be the apprentice of Santa and maybe, you know, um, you know, earn his way into something someday. Uh, but, you know, he's got his own machinations going where he's just kind of fucking up what the elves are doing. He's burning mm. the hot cocoa. He's, you know, blowing Frost into the something or other and pulling the, the bolts out of the Christmas tree stand so that it tips over and. All this kind of stuff, and he's also he's also you know earned the confidence of Carol and is whispering in her ear to uh, implant ideas in her feeble female brain about uh, why she you know actually doesn't like Scott or like trying to sow discord in the marriage. Yeah, uh, and uh, at a certain point when um, he's going to, uh, I think it's actually when Scott is um, taking Lucy to the Hall of Globes. He punches in the code, the, the the wall turns around, we go through the thing we just talked about, and then when they leave, 
uh, the wall turns back around and Jack Frost has been waiting on the other side and it, you know, lets him into the hall of globes and he grabs Scott's globe. Um, when I just want to say when I saw them walk over to the wall and the camera stayed in the same place in that wide shot and the wall started to turn around, I thought, is Jack Frost going to be on the other side of this bitch? And when it showed him, <laughs> I said audibly, hell yeah, I I really liked it. I don't know. I just I, I like a good spinning wall trapdoor gag, and I I love it even more when you use it to reveal that another character has gained entry to a secret space. <laughs> and I like it even more than that when that character is Martin Short, even at a seven. Agreed. One hundred percent. Um. So here's the last bit I have about this Hall of Globes is that okay? So Martin Short grabs the the Tim Tim Allen globe he Mm -hmm. gives it to tim allen as a present and you know gets him to repeat the words i wish i was never ever santa claus ever something like that i never wish i put the coat on i don't know what he says but uh then he starts laughing maniacally holds on to tim and they're magically transported to you know back the the alternate timeline yeah 12 years ago jack frost becomes santa claus Mm -hmm. okay the thing is yes when Jack Frost then in this alternate reality goes to the Hall of Globes, mm-hmm. it's still the Red Deer machine, and it's the same code. Why wouldn't he change the code? <laughs> yeah, he. Yes, that's a very good point. Is it just like there's always been one code, and the like the original Santa set the code, and nobody else knows how to change it, so they all just have to memorize the same code? I don't. I think it's more like. Uh, this is unintentional boomer commentary where it's like they, they just have one password for everything and no one knows how to change it. <laughs> and, and and the password is one, two, three, four. And there's also a <laughs> sticky note on the uh, on the Red Deer machine with the right. password written on it. That's strange. That's the passcode to my luggage. <laughs> Top notch. Beautiful. Um <laughs> So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we talked, well, I guess we talked about the alternate reality a bit, didn't we? But uh, we, we, we didn't really talk about the, like, the lessons that, that Scott is learning here of, of like, what what's what's his, like, impetus to get back and, and change well, Christmas again? I mean, I don't think that, he, they're, like, he never really genuinely wishes that he hadn't become Santa Claus. That's the thing. He has to be kind of Mm. coached into saying it at a particularly vulnerable moment by Jack Frost. Right. And he doesn't even know that he's, he doesn't even really realize he's holding the snow globe when he says it. So uh, it's like the second he goes back in time, he already is like fighting to be Santa Claus again. Like he has, he's wrestling with, with Jack Frost to stop him. He goes to so the there North is Pole. no real philosophical or moral uh, question of the heart the way that there is in it. It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, yeah, no, because like he he all like he it's not he never seems to genuinely wish that he hadn't been Santa Claus. It was a one off thing that he said one time. Like George Bailey is actually trying to kill himself. He is actually, be, ra- you know, rationally believes that that will be the best thing for his family, and then he'll see never. And then he learns that. But, yeah, like, Scott sees that, that oh, Jack Frost is going to make uh, Christmas too commercialized. It's like, well, yeah, but you also wanted to be Santa Claus anyway. Like, this is bad, but you you already had motivation to... Yeah, right. I, 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 he doesn't really learn anything doing this. Yeah, agreed. It's just uh, an unnecessary complication. Like, I don't know. I I mean, I look, I still like all the alternate history stuff. I still found it the most interesting and surprising part of the movie and thought it was cool that they did it. It's just it 
I don't think it had been earned, really. Yeah, agreed. Like, this whole thing, I just, I do feel like could be hit a lot harder. I almost, you know, wish they had taken the, the Back to the Future route and, like, just, like, made Jack Frost eviler up front mm-hmm. and just sent Scott into this alternate reality sooner and so we could mm-hmm. spend more time here and just really amp it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as it kills me to say it, just knock out the Alan Arkin and Anne Margaret stuff. Um, yeah. Hard to you know, say. Hard to say that, but yeah. It is. You know, like, same thing with the Santa Claus, too. It's like, there are there is a movie in here, if you trim the fat and really, you know, worked at the story a bit more, uh, that it, could be entertaining and hilarious and fun. Um, well, but it's just a little overstuffed here. Well, and honestly, there there's also a really good movie to be made about, A, it's like a the birdcage type farce of santa claus trying to hide the fact that he's santa claus while his uh in-laws visit and then there's also within that a lot to be said about like how do i balance my obligations as a husband and a father with a a job that is incredibly important and how do i find you know uh, boundaries between those things and how do i serve both of you know everything that matters to me and everyone who needs me and yeah you know either either movie would have been good um I don't know. Whichever whichever one you make, find a way to put Martin Short in it. That's my only request. Maybe <laughs> agreed, make Martin Short. Agreed. What if Martin Short played Santa Claus? We could we recast Charlie, also recast Santa Claus. Just all with Martin Short. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, basically. But do yeah. Martin Short. He's playing Charlie like he did Clifford. Yes, exactly. I want Martin Short kneeling on a pair of shoes <laughs> uh, to be a little boy. Um. Okay, so... so yeah, but, said. Uh... What else? What other like? Is there others? Oh, okay. Actually, no. Another alternate, uh, alternate future thought. Um, mm-hmm. Before Martin Short comes out and sings North Pole, North Pole, uh, you know he is he has confronted uh, he's confronted Scott Calvin and forced the guards to or you know, had the guards force Scott to sit in the crowd of people who have gathered to watch the floor show, and before uh, before Martin Short comes out, there's just an elf playing kind of jazzy Christmas songs on the piano. And it's reminiscent of the scene of like in it's a wonderful life when he's seeing Pottersville and he like goes into martinis and it's like lively. And there's a black dude playing ragtime guitar or a ragtime piano. And I'm like, this seems cool. George Bailey, you're lame. This bar is way nicer. Um, (laughs) I know my note here was I'll take a jazzier piano show than whatever the fuck they were doing before. Give me a Jack Frost burlesque. Yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks, I mean, it probably exists. They probably send all the kids home at nine o'clock and then it's just a little something for the grownups. Um, okay, so like one thing I thought was uh, kind of prophetic was that uh, they have a booth to pay for your child to be on the, the nice list. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's, well, is, the, is that is that prophetic or is that just a, a shout out to like the Catholic Church in the 1400s? Is this just like, you know, oh, or they, they maybe, need maybe that Christmas I needs mean, its own Martin Luther to just nail something up at the North Pole saying why this is bullshit. I don't know. I mean, like everyone knows once you're on the nice list, then you have all the opportunities to get into the good schools. Uh, you, yeah. you have all those connections. So, you know, if you could buy your way there, you could buy your way anywhere. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Why? Well, I mean, and that is I think that is more or less one of the lyrics in North Pole, North Pole. <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, we talked a little bit, uh, is this reality, uh, really worse? Different exploitation still surrounding capitalism. Um, 
let's uh let's just kind of go quickly through the the action of the the climax here and then we can wrap up with some uh just uh, stray thoughts that we have yes all of our thoughts are strays so yeah so the the climax of the movie uh you know Tim is at the North Pole in the in the alternate uh, future, and right as Martin Short ends his terrific stage show, Tim Allen uh, cowabungas in on a rope and uh, kicks him over and is protesting to the crowd that no, I'm yeah. I'm the real Santa Claus. This guy's an imposter. Um, uh, let's not quickly overlook the the theme of all these movies is uh, Scott getting up on stage where he doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it all must be about me. Um, and also, <laughs> when he kicks him over to say into the crowd, I'm the real Santa Claus, it's like, I, I get your point, dude, but you're actually not. Like, by the rules of the Santa Claus stuff, like, he put on the jacket, so he's Santa Claus. Like, that's how it works. I mean... And none of these people have a memory of anything, so it's just like a psycho has just attacked the, the main star. It's like if someone just, like, tackled Celine Dion in the middle of a stage <laughs> show in Vegas. Like, I'm the real Celine. <laughs> I mean, I, he said A at the end of it. It's got to be the real Celine Dion. <laughs> uh it, and so, but the, and but meanwhile, before this has happened, he's he's snuck in. You know, in the audience, he has found Lucy, who in the future is mean and does not love him, but is somehow been able to convince her to go into the room of secret snow globes because he says, "Oh, you love snow globes, don't you?" And even though she's mean, she still loves a good snow globe. That hasn't changed. And so <laughs> he gives her the and, code. And let's not overlook too that in this reality, Scott is basically a stranger to her. I mean, yes. she knows him peripherally. Yeah, yeah. This is this may be like the third time she's ever met this guy, uh, <laughs> and but so she has gone in. She, she snuck into the vault, gotten uh, Jack Frost's snow globe, and then as yeah. Tim and Jack Frost are fighting on stage, she throws the snow globe to Jack Frost, and then well, Tim, we we skipped over a very important detail. I, that I'm he, skipping a lot. He bumped into to Curtis at one point too in this alternate reality. Curtis is hawking uh, pens that record, so mm -hmm. uh, he's able to, you know, push the the clicker on the the pen and it records a I don't know five seconds of of voice recording. And mm -hmm. uh, so when he encounters Jack at one point, he's like, "Oh, I get it. You want me to? You're gonna try to trick me to say oh, I wish I'd never put on this jacket ever." And Tim's like, Jack nope, Nicholson never. as Jack Frost. <laughs> You're going to try to get me to say that, and I'm not going to. She took me up to the North Pole, Lloyd, my boy. Women. <laughs> uh, and so because he got this uh, deus ex machina pen, um, is able to record Jack saying that. So when she throws this snow globe to Jack, Tim's got this ready to go in his pocket. So And... And, you know, I'm so, yeah, he's holding the snow globe. Tim plays the recording of Jack Frost saying, I wish I'd never been Santa Claus earlier. And I guess and the, and it works. I guess magic is magic operates on toy Santa logic where it's just all about the written <laughs> rule. There is no interpretation. It doesn't have to be the person holding the thing, literally saying it himself. It just you can just I, I don't know. It's just very lenient <laughs> magic. Yeah. Do you think that this means that I can unlock Santa's phone uh, <laughs> if I pause this movie and just hold it up to <laughs> hold it up to it? 
Yeah, I mean, look, you can you can unlock Santa's phone by holding it up to his fireplace. That'll do the facial recognition that you need. <laughs> but would you want to? Yeah, yeah I don't want to see anything he's got on that phone. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I wouldn't want to be near that hearth. <laughs> look, either you have to... Yeah, there, there's a lot of levels of bad stuff that have to be happening for you to be holding Santa's phone and unlocking it using Santa's uh, fireplace. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this transports them back to modern time or regular times and martin short does get a great line where you know they they warp back into where they were when he first tricked santa and santa immediately sees carol and goes running off to tell her that he loves her and he loves being santa so that fixes everything and martin short is just standing there alone kind of crestfallen and goes well that didn't go how i expected which (laughs) is fun yeah, that was fun. Uh, and also because, also probably reeling internally because he has just lived 12 years as Santa Claus and has then been catapulted back into a different timeline. Like, can you even imagine <laughs> 12 uh, years no. of your life just getting rolled back? Well, that that's a question. Let me ask you that real quick. Um, if you were able to pause your timeline right now, go live 12 years elsewhere, and then return to your timeline right now uh, without taking 12 years off your life would you go do that if i could could i choose the elsewhere no because you've got a you've you've got an evil nemesis that's uh fucking with your your, your uh, shit no i don't think i'd take that opportunity because if it's if it's a bad situation it's going to be 12 years of torment if it's a great situation where i'm going to like i'm then going to make connections with people and things and then come back to my current life which is also full of people i love but then i'm going to be mourning an entire life's worth of people i'll never see again Hmm. um i don't know what about you oh yeah i had a more simple answer before you brought up that second point um because i was gonna say even if it's bad you're learning a lesson that you could bring back to you and you're kind of gaining experience that you can then apply to your timeline prime uh, but you're, you're trying you're right. to cheese life. <laughs> you're trying to min max yeah. this thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but you're right. It might be too much to endure if I meet people that are so meaningful to me and then are just ripped away. Uh, with no, yeah, that might be too much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the I guess the only solution to that is have a frozen heart and just spend all your time doing cool Broadway shows at the Wait North Pole. Minute. And never connect to anybody. Am I in the middle of an alternate timeline right now? I I mean, yeah. Oh, God. The version where Jack Frost starts a podcast as Santa Claus. (laughs) No, thank you. I'll take a joke about that in the Santa Claus's TV series. (laughs) Oh, man. So so they they go back to the present. He tells her that he loves her and everything's going to be okay. They go back to the workshop where, oh, hey, Charlie is here and all the magical creatures are here. They also break the news to her parents, to Carol's parents, that he's actually Santa Claus in the weirdest way possible, where they throw open the doors to the workshop and just show them everything in there. And Alan Arkin is like, oh, these little Canadians, they're they're actually elves, I guess, and they're all making toys, and, and you know, Scott here is their boss. I guess that makes Scott Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> I, I, I Alan Arkin, I mean, doing God's work with that line. I mean, like, that no one can make can do a sell on that, and he is just doing everything he can. 
they're all of the all of the eternal beings or or whatever elemental beings start showing up for one-off gags like the you know the easter bunny's hopping around and cupid flies in and you can see up his or well the characters can see up his his toga and 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 this is all these are all bits just so we can get reactions of Anne margaret and alan arkin but we get the shot of alan arkin trying his best just going wow wow (laughs) i'm just (laughs) it's okay man you're gonna turn in a, like you've turned in a lot of great performances you're gonna turn in a great performance later this year in little miss sunshine he, you can he just was nominated for an academy award this year I, uh, listen and, and he should be nominated for an academy award level effort uh for effort award i guess for just being in this movie and trying to make some of these scenes work because this whole thing <laughs> is ridiculous i don't disagree with you in fact the the academy might have given them the nomination just for that yes like uh we we saw what you did in little miss sunshine and it was great but what you did in the santa claus three to try to put that over uh yeah we're gonna get we're gonna give you this oscar this one's yours but but we will take this oscar away if you agree to appear in the film crazy on the outside because you know that tim allen probably asked him to be in that and and alan arkin just just wisely declined um so and, and so you know the Charlie has shown up and he's brought all of the eternal beings to help out on the assembly line to kind of catch up on making the billions of toys that they need to make. And they're going to do it. And then it does. It uh, seems like at the end of all of these films, the whole whole Santa's whole thing is I have to be a workaholic and disregard my family for the entire year so that I can do it all for this one night every year. But every time we do one of these movies or TV shows, it turns into I fucked up and I need my family to do my job for me. I mean, look, I've worked at a few companies run by eccentric small businessmen, and there is a both a culture of we all need to grind and work around the clock, and then also right before deadlines, we have to work extra, extra hard because I fucked something up. So I, this is not foreign to me. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not foreign. I'm just saying it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, it's, this is he's the not... fantasy world that we're creating. Yes. Like, yeah, they, you, okay. you literally have magic. And you are putting your family to work on Christmas Eve. Imagine, if you will, a boss who was incompetent but still managed to get by. Uh, so, so, and then uh, Lucy comes running out. She's been rescued. Uh, oh, I, okay, Lucy, earlier in the movie, I guess this is a key point to, to convey, uh, she catches Jack Frost in the process of stealing Santa's snow globe before all the time traveling happens. She gets her parents, but Jack Frost is able to uh, stop anybody from stopping him by using his frost breath to freeze judge reinhold and uh wendy uh wendy miller i know miller isn't her last name but it's her character's last name that's good enough uh freezes them freezes them throws them in a closet almost freezes lucy but then just puts her in the closet unfrozen and uh locks the closet which is a pretty i mean if i may a chill move from jack frost uh nice of him (laughs) to do that so at the end of the movie she comes out with her, you know, with her, and they, they found her, they found her frozen parents, whatever will we do. Uh, the elf cops have, um, have uh, Jack Frost in handcuffs, and he says that, no, I can't defrost your parents without defrosting myself. It's not possible, little girl. And, you know, he's unrepentant. He doesn't give a fuck. And um, how are they going to do it? How are they going to defrost these parents? these parents of the of the child with the magical warmth giving hugs 
Is there a warmth-giving hug person in the house? No, um, but there's a a hearth, a hearth <laughs> that has they, a, in the shape of a mouth that has a fire in it. They they throw Judge Reinhold and his wife into Tim Allen's flaming mouth, and that is the last shot of the movie. <laughs> over their over their screams, their blood curdling screams, and Tim's frozen grin. We cut to the end. Um, no, she goes up and she hugs Jack Frost, and the magical warmth. Uh, Makes him Trans- like transforms him into Joel Osteen. It's so that's why I, that's it. That's who he looks like. He's a guy in a white suit, and without the Jack Frost makeup, he's somehow more unsettling and horrifying looking than when he does have it on. And that is in no way a slam on Martin Short. Also, like this little girl is hugging him, and he starts like his face flushes completely red, and he goes, "Oh, I feel all gushy inside." Just, just lines, lines that are in the movie, lines that are being said by people. Uh, yeah, but he, all of his blue frostiness cracks off, and then he's just a guy in a white suit, and I'm like, and, and this then defrosts her parents as well. But it's, I don't. Then just calls into question who was Jack Frost before he became Jack Frost? Was he just like a, a dude? And then he was he was he a Scott Kelvin? Yeah. <laughs> did the did, he... did the Council of Eternal Beings choose Jack Frost the way they chose Scott Klein? Kelvin? God, why do I want to call him Klein? Yeah, I don't know. Like the the Council of Eternal Beings uh, the the only thing worse than being selected to be the Santa Claus is being selected to be Jack Frost, the eternal being who all the other eternal beings openly acknowledge is kind of pointless and really not useful for much and will never get any glory or respect on their level. Just a total bummer. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, man. Luck of the draw. This guy gets to be the god of Christmas, and you, well, uh, you're you're gonna be kind of like you know Robin from Batman. Yeah, but like worse than that. <laughs> Robin from Batman with nipples on a suit. Yes, exactly. With just a dash of Aquaman. Um. Yeah. So then he becomes uh yeah just a, a regular dude, and Judge Reinhold is okay, and he summons all of the uh, elves together for one big group hug, and. We do get a weird, we get some weird moments, like Alan Arkin and and uh, Anne-Margaret are married, like they're Carol's yeah. parents, and we know that they, like, they fight a lot, and she's t- alluded to this in the previous movie, but they're definitely still married, but the second Alan Arkin sees uh, Mother Earth played by Aisha Tyler, he's like instantly in love, not uh, that I can I blame mean, him. having a human reaction. It, it, totally fine, totally fine. So then later, at the end of the movie, as all this is happening, he's standing, like, as Jack Frost is thawing out, he's standing there next to uh, Mother Earth, and he just kind of, like, awkwardly, like, leans his head against her shoulder <laughs> like he's trying to cozy up to her. At the same time, though, his wife, Anne-Margaret, by the way, what what a life to be married to Anne-Margaret and then be falling in love with Aisha Tyler. I mean, that is a charmed series of and events. And then winning an Oscar. I know really what that is what a life what a capper (laughs) but then we see Anne Margaret and she's got the Easter bunny next to her like just grinning at her and making kind of lewd comments and the Easter bunny is still horrifying sorry Jay Thomas and Um, he he says something about he's like hopping while he's pushing a cart to help out with everything and he says apologies about the Easter eggs I'll pick those up later like the Easter bunny's just shitting everywhere yep (laughs) Yeah, just there's just a bunch of funny shit all over the the North Pole from this man-sized, uncanny valley bunny. 
this this like Five Nights at Freddy's looking bunny <laughs> with human eyes behind the rabbit visage. Um, yeah. And for for how edible everything is in the North Pole, I wouldn't. <laughs> the fact that there are Easter eggs on the ground, yeah. uh, I mean, it just seems like a danger zone. Well, I mean, I think what he actually says is, "I'm going to pick up those little pellets behind me." So I think he's like, so that's just even a more realistic rabbit shit joke. Wait, are you are you saying? <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did I just in my own head translate? The Easter budding shitting everywhere into the fact that I believe that the Easter bunny shits Easter eggs. I mean, you may, I, I think, yeah, you need to uh, refresh yourself on how mammals operate versus uh, other creatures. But yeah, no, I think you, um, <laughs> I mean, look, that's a better, that's a better I mean, reality to be in. Is that don't he... do eggs to begin with. So uh, maybe. <laughs> Also I don't fair. Know how much of a refresher course I need, but also fair. Also fair. It is def, and most rabbits are not like this one. Thank God. Yeah, no. Yes. But I think that your brain went to the sanity place of no. There's no way that this this horrific creature accurately described what rabbit shit looks like to plant the idea that it's just freely defecating on the floor of this space where children are making toys right. for other children. Um but yeah, no, he he full on says pellets. It's like it's like something for the something for the dads. Little joke. Little oh joke boy. for the dads about rabbit well, poop. Speaking of rabbit shitting everywhere, um, why don't we go into the fart count? We didn't talk, thank yes. God, about the reindeer in this at all. Uh, but they are somehow even more horrifying with each rendition that we see them in. Well, but okay, wait. Pre, I I agree with all of that. Before we get to the fart count, there's like thirty seconds of movie left. Can I just quickly cover those thirty seconds of movie? Sure, I guess. Yes. So. Okay. Easter Bunny's making eyes at Anne Margaret. Then all of a sudden, oh, uh, Carol goes into labor for real. They rush her in super fast motion into the delivery room. We cut back to the classroom. That's right. This entire movie has been a story she was telling her class instead of teaching them fractions. And then uh, Santa Claus comes in with the baby and a Bjorn and announces that they're naming him Buddy Claus. And we get a freeze frame on the baby face. Takes us to when some did, um When did Elf come out? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Wait, Elf came out in 2003. Oh, god damn it. This is cross-promotion. <laughs> I don't think so, because uh, it's definitely a different studio, but um, mm. just kind of interesting to to note. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Fart count, though, the fart shall count. we? Yes, the fart count. Uh, so, even though we get less reindeer content in this movie, they are still as horrifying as ever. I still don't like them. Um... But we get less reindeer, but we get more farting. There are now three farts from Comet when uh, it's when he first when he first lands, like he flies his sleigh back to Minneapolis to to hang out with his you know his ex wife and and uh, her new husband, uh, and he lands in the backyard uh, and uh, the, the he I don't know, tells the reindeer to behave themselves or something, and Comet farts twice, and they the reindeer then laugh horrifically. And then as he's walking inside, he makes one other comment to the reindeer and they fart a third time. Last movie Great. only had two farts. Wow. So we have a, a greater FPE. I or I guess it's not episode, I guess F- a, FPA f- fart per per appearance. Uh FP FPC, fart per clause, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, so unlike the grunts on home improvement, the number of farts is going up. Hmm. Interesting. Is um it- would you say that? Well, it's neither here nor there because we have no more Santa Claus comment content to cover. 
That's true. Well, yeah. Well, there is more Santa Claus content, but we are drawing a a very I th- thick line. I think line. we covered it as far as we're going to cover it in this episode. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I have. Okay, actually, there's one other thing. Early yeah. in the movie, when Jack Frost is trying to figure out, uh, like, he, he has to learn how the escape clause works, how the snow globe thing works. Mm-hmm. He's trying to pry this information out of Curtis, and Curtis says at one point, no, I can't tell you, Elfland Security Act. Just, it's kind of cool. I don't know. I like I like the notion... <laughs> I like the you're notion really, that you're really into the the elf industrial complex. I mean, this, I don't know uh, I, of this series. I, the only complexity that I will tolerate is the complexity of how the elves govern themselves. You know, <laughs> that's that's what I that's what I want to know about. There's there's elf fire. There's an elf fire department, and there are there are elf cops. There is an elf doctor. I, I mean, I think. I don't know. I think also some of the appeal of this movie and some of why this movie works for kids is that it shows kids playing as grownups and like saving like when the elf firemen come in to to deal with the fire and put out the fire on tim allen's butt in one scene it's like yeah "Yeah, kids kids rule kids save the day which is i don't know it's not i i think a lot of things in this movie are cloying and pandering but those moments are like yeah i don't know it's kind of empowering kids can see themselves yeah helping out and being important i don't know i'd be very curious what your thoughts are uh as that's translated into the series but um because uh, it, it's taken to the nth degree there. I, oh, well, look, with regards to, to the elf police who do have uh, who have Jack Frost in chains, I do want to stipulate that a cab applies to them as well. And that we should. <laughs> I don't know if prison is going to be the right. I mean, actually, I guess they do find a, a non-carceral solution to the Jack Frost problem. They just give him a magic hug. I think that what if we gave more <laughs> magic hugs in our society? Hey. Uh, Judah Friedlander tried that in one of those music videos. Um, I think it worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Think about it, folks. Let's expand that program. I have one note here. Uh, yeah. That I there's a they don't address it too much, which is disappointing to me. But there is an interesting through line of the unhealthy infatuations that adult or that uh adults have in santa mm-hmm. uh that like no one wants to believe in santa but once they do they become obsessed with santa and yes. i'm just saying like if this were a week-to-week sitcom i'm not talking about the current series but just in general <laughs> yeah like i would love to see that be an episode <laughs> just that concept of the troubles that Santa has of just adults not wanting to get off his back and contrast that with the kind of seriousness that the elves played by children take their jobs would be (laughs) funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, I could see that working. I mean, also, you know, the infatuation adults have with Santa, but also just the reality of being Santa Claus and having there be a very popular Christmas song called Santa baby, which is all about like you being seduced by someone <laughs> like like how how do you have a marriage when when every kind of crooner is doing a breathy interpretation of this song about somebody who wants santa to get them you know nice things from tiffany and a new corvette right right that's yeah there, there's a lot of untapped potential there the, um, the the song the song literally ends with her saying get me a ring i want you to marry me santa i mean imagine that <laughs> 
Imagine yeah. Mary turn, being, turn the Mrs. Claus on its head and like make it that uh, at this time every in every tenure of a Santa, um, there's going to be one person who just becomes so romantically infatuated with you that they're going to propose and you can't get rid of them. Mm. I look uh, the Santa Claus for eyes wide claws. Think about it. <laughs> Think about it, won't you? I won't. But uh, everyone else is welcome to. The you know the password to get into that party is uh, Kringle. <laughs> Gross. I, I probably got a better one. I probably got a better one. I'll think about it. I oh well, I was just thinking of you know candy makes everything sticky, so I can't imagine what <laughs> the, the sticky Oof. factor would be at that party. Oh no, I mean oh god, yeah those those masks are going back to that weird dude's costume shop, just caked in in sugar and god knows what else. Um, God Almighty! Yeah, what have we here done? We are. What have we done with ourselves? We we watched we watched two Santa Claus movies in in close succession. That's what we've done. Yeah, All and right. I I I topped that. <laughs> I, I I had a I had a cake that was made of icing, and then I had the icing on top, and then an icing shooter, which was the Santa Clauses. <laughs> All in just the short span of a few days. I I'm I am so sick of Santa. <laughs> At this point, you you did you you did all that, and you ate that cake made of icing, and then you you got up to walk away, and you stepped on a rake, which was recording the podcast yesterday, and then you stepped on a different rake, which is the podcast you're recording right now. So what I'm saying is, choose your next step carefully, Landon. (laughs) How about next week we're going to be taking a break? Um, Yes, we are for the holidays. Uh, we wanted to record some bonus episodes to give you some longer content to get you through one extra week until we come back in the new year. But yes. just with our schedules, um, aren't going to make uh, just one week happen. You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to miss yeah. out all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. They're not going to miss out on a night's episode. Hell no. Uh, but all of you are going to miss out on just a single episode of Home Improvement. So uh, listen Grunt to these work. ones twice. Yeah, make make this last. You know what? Yeah. Usually, when you listen to this at double speed, uh, when you're doing your workout, uh, uh, stop, pause it halfway through and go. You know what? I'm gonna listen to the other half tomorrow during my workout. Do Do you think that's like that's like an endurance training thing? Like listening to our voices is like trying to lower your heart rate, so you have to work <laughs> out twice as hard to get it back up. That's what I do. I, I listen to it when I work out, and it's like the voices of the past chasing me. So uh, the faster I go, the more I can outrun them. Landon setting the land speed record. I, I listen to these when I'm editing them, and I have Twitter open in the other window just trying to distract myself from it. So I'm making myself dumber and lazier uh, as I listen to the podcast. It's a closed loop. I'll start smoking unfiltered cigarettes, too, while I do it, just to get go for, a, go for the, the hat trick. Grunt work does not promote smoking. No. Oh, God. Truman, is there anything about the Santa Claus 2 or 3 that we didn't touch on that you want to now? Uh, No. No, there's not. I can't even be pithy and clever about it. (laughs) Okay. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, then, uh, I hope everyone has a happy holiday season, and we will see you in the new year. Uh, as always, Gruntwork is made possible by our patrons. If you liked this show, this episode, these bonus episodes, we, we got a whole lot more secretly lined up for you. Uh, yes. They're floating around in a special vault that you have to access. And if, if we hold on to one of them and say we wish we'd never made the podcast, well, you don't want that to happen. <laughs> they might not. I might, I might though. Um, yeah. The escape grunt. 
consider becoming uh, an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod or leave us a rating review on wherever you listen to podcasts. I, I know how to string words together nicely, don't I? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because um, uh, leaving a rating or review goes a long way to help other people find the show. And you know what? Hey, it's free. All your yep. your spent money from the holidays, we get it. You don't have yeah. to. You don't have to give us money. Just yeah. do something free for us. Yeah, give us a gift. Uh, you are getting us uh, something, right? Aren't you? We're giving you this. Aren't you giving us something back? We're, we're literally taking five hours away from their life with these two episodes. Much like Carol marrying Santa Claus, these people know what they're getting into. It says on it. It says on the podcatcher what we're reviewing. It says how long the episode is. You all made your bed. I hope you're enjoying sleeping in it. Merry Christmas, damn it. Oh, dear God. Um, where was I? Uh, or oh, I visit our, uh, visit, uh, uh, stop by to say hi to us <laughs> on Instagram. Um, yep. At GruntworkPod. Mm-hmm. Or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com where you can see other stuff about this episode and everything else we do here on Gruntwork. Uh, until... Two weeks from now, three weeks from now, who knows when from now, when we bring you Season 8, Episode 8 of Home Improvement in the new year in 2023, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps, and remember, if your hugs leave you with a burning sensation of over 104 degrees, contact your doctor immediately. <laughs>